following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Okay, Travet. Wow, okay. <laughs> um, I, again, will say just how grateful I am for the ministry of uh, Joel Brown. Um, <laughs> um, to do that week after week uh, is just a, a marvelous thing. Um, <clears throat> I, there's a couple of things I want to uh, share before we get started in the sermon. Two things, really. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we're going to have a baptism here. Uh, uh, yes, that's worth celebrating. Um, Isaac Brown uh, has asked to be baptized. So that's a the wonderful thing. And if there's anyone else who wants to be baptized, the tank will be full. And uh, um, you have that opportunity. Just come and speak to me at some point or reach out during the week. I'd love to talk with you about that. Um, we, we also need a volunteer to clean out the tank because uh, the youth group spends a lot of time in there um, <laughs> hiding from each other, I think. Um, because uh, there's a lot of foot marks and footprints in there. Um, so we just need that to get uh, wiped out as soon as possible this week so we can fill it with water uh, so that it has a, time, a little chance to warm up a little bit because it comes straight from a glacier into that tank. Uh, so that's a, we welcome your service there. So that's item number one. Item number two, um, a, a few years ago, we did an Advent devotional together as a church family uh, everybody uh, bought the, uh, their own book, uh, and we did a daily reading together through the month of December. We like to do that again, um, and this is uh, called The Christmas We Didn't Expect uh, by David Mathis. Uh, it's been recommended by John Piper. Um, so uh, I'd encourage you to, uh, to get a copy of this. I got mine on Amazon, so they're out there. Um, so The Christmas We Didn't Expect. And I'll put an announcement out on the Facebook page as well, so um, we all can be reminded of that. So you don't want to wait around, because December 1st is right around the corner. <laughs> don't want to think about it, but it's coming. All right. Well, so we're going to return uh, to our study in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. And that's page 848 in the Pew Bibles. Um, And this um, is such a timely passage for us to be studying this morning. Um, So you may remember from last week, uh, we talked about Jesus teaching in the temple when he's confronted by the Sanhedrin, the the leaders of the nation of Israel, the rulers of the Jewish people, uh, under the Romans, of course. Uh, and they questioned Jesus where he got his authority from. Who do you think you are, really? Um, and they got uh, no answer. Jesus, in classic style, answered their question with the question. They refused to answer his question, so he didn't answer theirs. Um, and when they got no answer from him, he told... Uh, uh, he didn't get an answer from them. He told uh, the parable of the tenants. 
And we, that's what we talked about last week. He told the parable of the tenants about and against them uh, as they were proving that they are just falling in line with all of the Jewish leaders previous to them uh, who had murdered and martyred the prophets. Uh, and they were seeking to do it again. Um, and now, now we see that uh, they're at it again at this time. Uh, instead of the whole Sanhedrin coming to talk to Jesus, they sent a smaller delegation of uh, young disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians. So let's look at that text together. Chapter 12, start at verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Let's pray. Father, again, we are grateful to be gathered uh, in your name this morning. Uh, whether we're here in this building or gathered around a uh, a screen online. Uh, we're grateful to be able to have the freedom to study your word together. And so we pray, Lord, your spirit would have the same freedom to move in our hearts, um, to teach us, to show us your way, to lead us in the truth, to lead us in the way everlasting, as your word promised. Mm. Father, may your spirit speak, and may we be changed as a result. Loving, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, as we often do, we're going to examine uh, our uh, the players on the stage for our study this morning. Um, who all is involved in this story? And the first one is Jesus. Perhaps you've heard of him. Um, I slow it down so you know. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> um, so second, there is a group of Pharisees and Herodians sent to trap Jesus in his talk. Um, and this is a very significant pairing. Um, the, the fact that this delegation was made up of people from these two groups is very significant. Um, because these two groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they were not friends, not at all. They hated each other. They were not allies. They didn't usually um, work together and come up with plans. In some of the other Gospels, it says that uh, they sent some of the disciples of the Pharisees. So these are uh, not the leaders necessarily, but these are younger Students, they're trainees in the school of the Pharisees and in the Herodians. And the Pharisees were in large part 
the religious leaders of the Jewish people. Um, they were, at least on the surface, um, loyal to God's law, right? And the traditions passed down by the elders uh, from the forefathers. And these guys were notoriously opposed to the Roman yoke. They didn't like the Romans. They didn't want the Romans um, ruling over Israel. Now, the Herodians, on the other hand, at the other end of the spectrum, um, these were Jewish men who were loyal to Herod. They liked Rome. Uh, loyal to Herod, that's where we get the name Herodian. Uh, okay, makes sense. So English sometimes works for us. But this group is a more political party, not so much a religious group, but a political party whose allegiance was to Rome. Um, and they pretty much only pretended to be righteous in the sight of the people. Um, so this group, this alliance of ugliness, uh, was sent to Jesus to trap him in his words. It's kind of an unholy alliance, right? These groups hated each other, but they joined forces here because they hated Jesus more. A sad, sad state of affairs. If this doesn't sound like politics at work, I really don't know what does. We hate each other, but we hate that other guy worse. Right? So, hmm. so here we have our slimy little group. And let's examine their slimy little approach to Jesus. Um, how else do you approach someone uh, you are trying to trap so that you can kill them? Right? These, these, are <laughs> these guys laid the plans here. This is uh, just like you would trap a mouse, right? Anybody have mice in their house? Uh, Virginia, as I've heard of stories. And how do you trap a mouse? You offer them something that they want, right? In exchange for their untimely death. Right? That's how mouse traps work. Um, in this case, uh, these, these people, instead of cheese, they offer to Jesus flattery. Because who doesn't want that, right? Uh, after all, everybody likes to be told that they're awesome, right? It's our favorite thing. They said to him, teacher, we know that you're true and you teach the way of God. You don't care about anyone's opinion. You're not swayed by appearance. You truly teach the way of God. Now, were they right? Yeah. Were they lying? They thought they were, but they weren't. <laughs> Bunch of dummies, right? This is just silly. Of course, they're right. Jesus, the ultimate teacher, he is true. He taught the truth. He was not swayed by anyone's opinion. Maybe I won't say it because someone might get offended, right? He didn't have that burden. He didn't worry about that. He didn't change his teaching based on the whims of men like any good politician does. Jesus is not a politician. He's not swayed by appearances, truly taught the way of God. All this is true. What they said was true. But are you so easily fooled? Are you going to go for the bait? Right, Jesus didn't. Like you're true and you're right and everybody likes you and you're not swayed by anybody. Oh, thanks, guys. So what's up? No, that's, Jesus didn't fall for it. Their motivation is what made their speech evil. What they said was accurate, but their motivation was sinful. 
feeding cheese to mice is nice if you care about mice. It's not so nice if you're trying to kill the mice, at least not from the mouse's perspective, if you're trying to lure them into a trap. So here's the trap. Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Jeez. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or not? Now they're pulling back the bar, setting the little thingy, right? This simple yes or no question, right? Is it right? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Yes or no? That's what they're asking. Should we pay the Roman tax or not? So the tax that, are, uh, that they are talking about, they're asking about, uh, this is an annual poll tax. It's based on the Roman census, right? They, they count every man, and every man counted as a citizen in Israel had to pay since uh, Israel was a Roman province. And this had been going on for around 25 years or so, since 6 A.D. Um, is when... Israel was taken over by Rome. Well, do you think the Jews liked paying this tax? No, probably no more than you like paying yours. Um, but it's a little different uh, for the Jewish people paying the tax. They, um, they hated this tax. They resented this tax because it really represented Israel's subjugation to Rome, right? It shows that they're a captive nation. They're not a free people. They are, they are governed by a power they don't like, they don't want, but they couldn't do anything about, right? These, the Jews are like ants under a giant Roman boot. There's just nothing they could do about it, and this tax was an annual reminder that they were not their own, and they hated that. So this question that this group asked Jesus, this this uh, trappy question is a little more pointed than just, should we pay our taxes? Well, yeah, of course. You're going to go to jail if you don't. That's easy in America, right? Should you pay your taxes? Yes. So uh, what would Jesus' answer mean to this question? It's not just a matter of follow the law or not. It's not just obey the authorities or not. If Jesus simply said, yes, pay the tax, the Pharisees would then turn the people against Jesus for appearing to be loyal to Rome. This guy says you should pay taxes to Caesar. This guy says Rome is right. This guy is like a Herodian. Oh, well, no, we won't say it near the Herodians, but right. He is an enemy to Israel and try to turn the people against him to try to make him out to look like a traitor to the Jewish people. So, yes, pay the tax. You couldn't say that, right? But if Jim, if Jim, I don't know, uh, Jim, Jim is not in this story. Uh, if Jesus simply said, no, don't pay the tax, the Herodians now will turn him in. They will say to the governor, this teacher from Galilee is going around telling everybody they shouldn't pay their taxes. Go get him. And they would. Right? And he would be arrested. They'd charge him with sedition. They'd charge him as a rebel against the Roman Empire. And what do you do with rebels against the Roman Empire? You crucify them. Well, 
So when thinking about this simple question, is it right to pay, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? The simple answer to the question is not so simple. There is no right answer for Jesus to give. Well, that's not entirely true because Jesus does give them an answer and it was the right one. But what does he say? Just as an aside here, just a point of interest. Uh, Think about the 12 disciples at this point and what you know about these 12 uh, yahoos from the hills that have been following Jesus around. Do you remember the disciple named Matthew, right? He wrote one of the Gospels. Do you remember what his name was before? Levi. Levi. Jesus didn't change it, just like a nickname. Matthew was a nickname. Levi was his given name. And what was his occupation? He was a tax collector, popular guy, right? Right. Now, so that was the easy one. Next, I want you to think about a disciple named Simon, not Simon Peter. There are two Simons. Do you remember the other one? What did you say? Simon the Zealot, right? You may remember that if you read the early chapters of Acts that are listed there. Simon the Zealot. Now, what's the Zealot? Zealot, they're traitors to Rome. They hate Rome. They refuse to pay their taxes. They refuse uh, Roman rule. It was a small group of people. Uh, you may, uh, if you have any interest in the Holy Land uh, and the geography and stuff, there's a city called Masada where the zealots kind of hold up and, and tried to hide out from the Roman Empire, and it didn't work. It's a beautiful place, and it's like a city stuck up on top of this crazy uh, hill, and the Romans just built a siege ramp and flattened it <laughs> and killed everybody. All right, so this is the this zealots, their group of, of Jews in Israel, refused to uh, submit to the Romans, they refuse to pay taxes to Caesar, and only in the kingdom of Christ can you have a zealot and a tax collector in sweet fellowship with one another. I just think that's, that's a terrific thought. So get back to the question. How does Jesus answer the question? Well, first we can see that he doesn't fall for the bait. He doesn't say, well, thanks, guys. You're, go on, you know. I just, thanks, you know. Jesus knew better than that. You want to know why he knew? Because he's God. It's handy. It comes comes in handy when people are trying to trap and kill you to know about it ahead of time. It says in verse 15, But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. It's interesting to note, um, Jesus didn't have any money. So he couldn't be like, well, hold on. All right. Yeah, yeah. See this? And he says, who's got a denarius? I don't have one. So uh, somebody bring me one. And wouldn't you know it? Those Pharisees and Herodians had some. Interesting. Now, Roman denarius, just so you know, is the um, roughly the equivalent of a of a day's wages. Uh, It says in your 
notes, uh, in your footnotes in your Bible, it should say a denarius was about a day's wages for, uh, for a laborer. So that's like a, a regular person. It's a silver coin about the size of a quarter. And the image that was stamped on these uh, coins at the time was the image of Tiberius Caesar. Not, uh, not the original Caesar, but Tiberius Caesar. And the inscription that was on the other side says, uh, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. Boom. It doesn't say, e pluribus unum, in God we trust. It says, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. And under the image on the other side of the coin, the image was of, um, I think it was uh, Tiberius sitting on a, a throne. Um, under the words, uh, under that image were the words chief priest, chief priest of Caesar Augustus, right? You have to remember the Romans held uh, Caesar to be a god. Um, they, they weren't, clearly, but uh, Tiberius Caesar was chief priest of the god Caesar Augustus. So think about this with me. The Romans held up Caesar as a god. They demanded that he be worshipped. Um, how do you think the Jews felt about this idea? Not so great, right? They rejected that. There's only one god, they say, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your god, the Lord is one. Right? That's the Shema. That's on every doorpost of every Jewish home even today. So this idea of Caesar as God is repulsive to the Jews. And it wasn't many years after this instance that Christians would be martyred for refusing to say that Caesar is Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, it's a declaration of worship for us, right? It's a death sentence in the first century Rome. To say Jesus is Lord is to say that Caesar isn't. And that costs people their lives. That's important for us to remember. The idea is repulsive, but Jesus wasn't telling them to worship Caesar. He's just making it clear whose likeness and inscription was on the coin. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it, he said. And they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Well, the word render here is not just, well, Caesar's name is on it, give it to him. That's not what render means. It doesn't just mean give. It means pay what you owe. You owe Caesar, so pay him the things that are his. We can't miss that. What was owed to Caesar? The annual tax. So did Jesus say, yes, pay the tax? Yes, he did. But he did it in such a way that they could not trap him. What was owed to Caesar was taxes. Paul taught on this same exact topic in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, servants of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. You know, it seems like in our day, this idea is not as popular among the church as it used to be. That's a problem. Peter also commented on this in First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, just briefly. He said, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Do you know who the emperor was when Peter wrote that? I think I've said this to you before. His name was Nero. And when you refuse to say Caesar is Lord, but instead say Jesus is Lord, he would tie you to a stick and set you on fire to light his banquets. Peter says, honor the emperor. John Calvin wrote, when we perform our duty towards men, we thereby render obedience to God. This is so important because we need to understand that Christianity does not in any way foster disloyalty to the government. The annual tax was a debt owed to Caesar that could be paid with the coins that bore his image. But just as Jesus commanded them to render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, the coins, he also commanded them to render to God the things that are God's. And what has God's name written on it? What bears his image? I will remind you the words of Genesis 1:27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We bear God's image. The inscription is written on our hearts through faith in Jesus Christ. Caesar's image was stamped on a coin, but God's image is stamped on mankind. This statement of Jesus... um, is a command that also carries with it a reminder. It's a command to submit to the the human authorities put in place to govern and protect us. But it also carries a reminder that human authority is limited in its duration and its scope. We must not submit when Caesar starts to demand the things that belong to God. That's important for us to remember. Because you say, well, listen, bud, you're saying we got to do whatever the government tells us to do no matter what? No. I'm telling you to follow the law. Yes. Submit to the government 
and render to the government what is due the government. Yes, I am telling you that. But the government's reach is limited. Its authority is limited. Because when the government starts to demand the things that belong to God, we have to say no, regardless of the cost. First century Christians refused to say Caesar is Lord, even though it was required of them. And it cost them their lives. That's the cost. Jesus responded to their trap here with the truth. And the Pharisees and Herodians responded to the truth with wonder. They marveled at him. What they didn't do is change their position. They didn't accept the truth. They simply wondered at it. What I wonder is what will we do with the truth? Will we do the same? And say, wow. Well, forget it. And leave like they did. They wondered and then they left. They didn't wonder and change. So what will we do? Will we wonder and leave? Or will we allow the truth to change our attitude and position on things? Jesus told him, told them, pay what you owe. And what you owe Caesar is taxes. What you owe God is worship. By submitting to one another, by submitting to one, we honor the other. Our obedience to the laws of the state honor God. Not popular, still true. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful life, quiet life, godly and, undignif- and, godly and dignified in every way. <laughs> this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. May your spirit continue to burn the words in our hearts. Chisel away the pieces of us that are still rebellious to this word. We can obey, we can submit, because we trust you as the ultimate authority over all things. And you have our good in mind. Father, we love you. Change us by your word. The power of your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and close with a song. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.